This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Uli Butza Cohen, a New York City-based documentarian artist and the creator of Subway Book Review. And now here we are reading a letter from a listener. I feel like that's also a perfect opportunity to move into our next letter, which is really uh, tugging on the old heartstrings. I think it's my turn to read it, so uh, I'll, I'll get it started. The subject is feeling distant, faking friendliness. My grandfather was an abusive alcoholic, then a very absent father to my mom and they reconnected in her 20s. She says that she forgives him, but the coping behaviors that she learned as a child persist and have affected her health throughout my life, overwork and excessive comfort food, which have led to obesity and diabetes. It's hard to see my mom in pain still over her relationship history with her father, and I haven't had the experiences that I'd like to have with her, like backpacking or exercise in general. To be honest, I blame my grandfather's abuse for these obstacles. However, I feel like it's not my business to be mad at my grandfather, and if she's forgiven him, then I should too. His health is declining, and I have to decide if I want to be more than polite to him or at least more feel more warmth towards this man. I feel guilty for experiencing resentment and dislike, but on the other hand, I feel entitled to my feelings. Is it better to let things lie? You know... This is, this is a big one. There's a lot here. I guess I'll start with, like, you know, letter writer... It seems to me like you're going to let things lie no matter what. Like your options, it didn't seem like you were saying either I want to yell at my grandfather or I want to ignore him. It seemed more like my options are be distantly polite or be slightly more affectionate than that. So in in either of those situations, I, I think you you have a lot of freedom and flexibility to decide which tone you want to aim for. Um, if if any part of you is thinking about having any kind of a conversation like this with either your mother or your grandfather, I would strongly encourage you not to. But since it doesn't sound like that's on your agenda, I would say give yourself some some freedom to move here. I, you know, this is hard because I both want to be open to the possibility that a variety of coping strategies having to do with like overworking or difficult relationships to the body or to taking care of yourself could have arisen during your mother's childhood. I also feel really resistant to this idea of like, because my mom's dad was a bad guy, that's why she's fat. And that's bad because it means we can't go backpacking. I would really encourage you to let that go, letter writer, and to say like, if your deep desire is to go backpacking with your mom and she doesn't want to or you believe that she can't, let's keep that really separately from how you feel about her decision to have some sort of like reproachment with her father because those are just such different things and you are wrapping them all up into one big thing where like the emotional abuse and her fatness and your desire to go camping are all like one and the same. And I just think that that's a lot to put on your mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I want to read it at its worst, it read a little bit like grandma, grandpa ruined mom. 
and I'm pissed off for that. And at the best, I'm I'm reading my mom, how how do we treat an abuser of someone who we love? And to me, the question is, what does the person who was abused need? Because they are the person who are directly affected, right? And if her father is passing, I wonder if the letter writer has had a conversation with mom and has asked, you know, this is happening. What does forgiveness mean to you? What does it look like for you? Are you seeking it? And as a family, how do you envision us moving through this process together? What feels good to you? What do you need in this? Because that, to me, centers the person um, who has suffered directly, which to me is, I would be inclined to go that route. And then I would still have the freedom to decide, how do I want to support mom in this process? What feels honest to me in it? Um, because I think faking anything, God, can we fake anything? Can we ultimately fake anything in front of someone that we have real feelings about? Is that possible, Danny? Do you think, do you, is that, is that worth it? I mean, I I think it can be possible. I I don't know that it's necessary here. Like it seems Mm. so much of this is like, it's unclear to me what's being asked of the letter writer. You know, um, Mm -hmm. you say, you feel like it's not your business to be mad at your grandfather and that you feel like if your mother has forgiven him, then you should too. But it's not like your mother is saying this explicitly to you. It's not like she's saying, come with me to visit him. So I wonder if some of this you can also just like let go of and say like, my mother has chosen to forgive her father. It seems like there are some things that they haven't fully addressed together or things that he hasn't actually really made amends for if if she's still experiencing some pain over that history. But, you know, at, at most I would encourage you to like maybe ask your mother, like, do you feel like your father ever really apologized or do you feel, you know, and again, like if she doesn't want to answer that question, don't push it. But you can certainly ask an open-ended question of like, it sometimes seems like being in close contact with your father is still really painful for you. How's that going? But beyond that, yeah, you don't have to pretend to be suddenly close with him. It doesn't sound like he expects you to think of him as like good old gramps. So, you know, I would just say mm-hmm. you don't have to fake anything there that's not sort of already present in the relationship. And I think treating him with like distant politeness for your mother's sake is a far, far cry from pretending to care deeply about a guy who like at best has done nothing for you and at worst has like deeply hurt your mother. Can I also go out on a limb for a second, Danny? Please. I feel like maybe the distant feeling is projected onto Gramps a little bit. And the person that letter writer is really feeling distant to and wishes closeness with is mom. Mm. Because we're getting here. I wish we could go backpack and I'm resentful that we're not doing that. What I'm hearing in that is just I wish my mom and I would be closer Mm. and could do things together that I enjoy. Um, which, of course, the question should then be, I wish I was closer. What are the t- things that we both can actually do and enjoy together? Let's talk about that. I think that would be more productive than having these goals that are maybe just not attainable for mom at this moment in time. Yeah. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say the distant feeling might be about mom and not actually have anything to do with grandpa. Yeah, I think there's there's really possibly fruitful imaginative work that can be done there. And just, you know, again, on that front letter writer, I would encourage you not to think of like 
your particular relationship to exercise or backpacking as the sort of default human model that can only be like diminished Mm. by abuse because the implicit claim there is like if her father hadn't been abusive, she would love to backpack and she would want to go to Soul Cycle with me and we would just be fucking working out together all the time. <laughs> um, Everybody would have 10 Pelotons. Yeah, and just like, citation needed, please. Like, where are mm. you getting that idea? I don't know that your mother would have loved backpacking. Again, I don't want to like knock your enjoyment of that activity, but this idea that like there's some mythically better thin version of your mother who's, you know, freedom from being abused is incredibly bound up in her like thinness. I think that's really damaging to the mother that you have. And just again, like, I don't know where you got that idea that if she hadn't experienced abuse, she would be thin and and have all these like, you know, newfound love, like passions for outdoor activities. And I would just say, it's one thing to say, mom, it's hard for me to watch you be in pain because, you know, I know that you've decided to be closer with your father again, but it seems like he also hasn't really sufficiently tried to make amends with you for the way that he hurts you. That's one kind of a conversation that even if you had to approach it carefully and gingerly, I think would be possible. But to mm. bring to that, mom, I blame your size on your bad dad. And I think if only no. he hadn't gotten to you, you'd be, you know, you'd have abs and you and I would go run triathlons together. I just think Mm-mm. that's nuts. Don't say that to her. That is a weird idea. It is a fat phobic idea. It is only going to get in the way of the kind of closeness that you and your mom can share. Go backpacking with other people who enjoy backpacking and do stuff with your mom that your mom loves. You're not like, that's just, that's not a problem. You have other problems here that feel real and fraught and painful. I can't go backpacking with my mom is not a real problem. Mm, yes, dissected, myths busted. It, you know, it, it's just, I can really appreciate feeling bad watching your mom like overwork herself or struggling with diabetes. But I really think that you can acknowledge those things are like fraught and difficult without saying, and they're all the fault of her dad. And they've only ever made her life bad. And they're the same thing as being fat. And fat and sick are the same thing. And backpacking and health are the same thing. And I just think you've you've really gone down a rabbit hole there. It's so true. And it's good to catch ourselves in that, right? When we're projecting or when we're generalizing or when we're assigning blame to things. It's good to say, why am I feeling that way? Why am I, you know, why am I assigning um, this distance between us? I'm, again, out on a limb here. But why am I assigning this distance between us to a very particular thing without maybe having had the conversation of what it is that we love together versus the thing that I love and make that the priority? And I think that that's, you know, I mean, that's a hard thing to do to to say, well, maybe the thing that you love is not, you know, compromising is the hardest thing we have to do in life sometime. But compromises are also where we're, we're so much love lies and where so much love can be found. And I think that's something that seems like worth exploring here, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of compromising. Yeah. And then beyond that, you know, he'll be dead soonish. That's nice. You know, you don't have to feel bad about that one. You can just be perfectly like, oh, that's good for me. I'm glad he's dead. I didn't like him. I'm sorry that my mom feels sad and complicated, but I'm glad he's gone. That's great. Go with that by all means. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole conversation in and of itself, right? Our our really complicated relationship with death and that death is something that makes us feel like we need to be resolved about someone or something. And I just don't think that that's true. I also, you know, I have a very 
have a very specific take on death um, in that. I believe that uh, energy cannot be destroyed, which is obviously a scientific belief, and that all of us are just recycled over and over again into different forms and shapes. But um, So that grandpa is also going to come back, but hopefully <laughs> in a way that is so much more nicer and productive and good for the world. I hope that he, I hope that his energy will take that chance to come back as someone who can, you know, who can redeem himself. I hope that for you, Gramps. I hope that for you. Yeah. And I hope he just dies and you never have to worry about him again. And it takes all <laughs> kinds to make a world. Uh, I think the last <laughs> oh thing I'll God. say, like, you know, having sort of circled around this question, I think the, the real question that the letter writer is asking is like, to what extent is it appropriate or loving to feel anger on someone else's behalf? And at what point does it become distracting from serving their needs? And I think that's a really valuable question. And letter writer, I really understand that you're sort of struggling with, look, if I had my druthers, I would tell this guy to fuck off and die alone. But because my mother is committed to maintaining a relationship, I feel a certain like um, shackling there or a certain desire to make sure that I put her needs there before mine, which I think is right. Like it, it, you might want to feel anger on her behalf that she either doesn't feel or chooses not to prioritize, but you also don't want to make her life more difficult because you're trying to be mad on her behalf. So I can, I, I can really understand that. But then if you are as mad about your mother being fat as you are about her pain, like you are again, harmfully conflating a lot of fat phobic ideas with other kinds of like actual harm that your mother has said, this actually hurts me. I think like, again, don't have this conversation with her. But if you were to say to your mom, mom, I'm mad at your father, not only for abusing you as a child, but because I believe he made you fat and I'm mad that you are fat. Because if you weren't fat, you'd be a better version of you who loved to go backpacking with me. I think if you were to say that to your mom, she would say something like, I am devastated that you think of me that way. Mm, Again, mm -hmm. I, I think this is an idea that you should be working on internally, not something that you should be sharing with your mother. But like, again, if you were to say to your mom, I'm mad at your dad because I think he made you fat and I think that's bad about you. I think if you heard yourself saying that out loud, you would realize I have lost the plot. And I need to start over. Yes, plot has been fully lost. Don't you think that um, just like focusing the love on the mom is the way to go here? Yeah. No matter what? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's the desire. As you say, that's the desire is like, I want to be close with my mom. I want to spend valuable time with her. I want to share some of like, again, like tell her about the backpacking trips you take. There are ways that she can share in your pleasure at those activities that don't require her to do them with you. There's a lot of other ways to cultivate closeness there that are totally available to you. It's so true. I think we also think like sometimes things are so much more complicated than they really are. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like the easiest thing to do is to say, I love you. I'm sorry you're going through this. What do you feel like doing together? What sounds really good to you right now that would make us, that would make you feel good? That's that's like it. That's all that's needed. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not, um, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. Not all these other things have to be brought into that question. Yeah. Um, and I think during this time, which I'm sure is very difficult for mom because it's a person that she has a complicated relationship with and no matter how resolved she feels about it, I'm sure that things will come up, you know, mm-hmm. as Gramps is transitioning. Um, <laughs> Such a great way of putting the- it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, curious, so curious how he'll come back. So curious. <laughs> but um, sadly, we can't track it. Sadly, we can't. I wish we could in this case. But um, 
yeah, it, that's maybe like uh, take all the complications out and just like get to the heart of the matter. Just be like, mom, what's going on? How are you? What can, what can I do for you? Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Done. There you go. Uh, all right. I'm hoping that I can interest you before I uh, release you back into the afternoon in a very quick lightning round question, which uh, mm, please. is just a quick letter. I'll read it. Yep. And you have a minute to answer it. And then I have a minute <gasps> to answer it. Okay. Wait, I have to get ready. Of course. Okay. I'm putting my good listening cap on. Mm-hmm. Okay. The ears are wide open. Heart is open. Eyes uh, bright. Tail bushy. Okay. I'm ready. All right. My new boyfriend, I'm also a guy, has hinted that he's not happy with his appearance. Shortly before we met, he shaved his hair because his hair was thinning, and he also gained some weight during the pandemic. I'm very attracted to him, and I've never known him to look any other way, but I can understand why his look currently feels a bit surprising or unfamiliar to him and why he might feel weird thinking about how he's emerging from the pandemic. I want to tell him that I really love his body and his shaved head, but I don't want to make him additionally self-conscious about this while we're still fairly new at seeing each other since it's only been about three months. How direct should I be about insecurities that he's only hinted at? Would it be better to let him work through this with someone else who isn't me? I want to be reassuring without minimizing his experience. And I also want to tell him that he really is smoking hot. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay, we love a new couple. We love a new couple. And we love, also, I want to say, embrace and love all the insecurities that come up in new coupledom. And... I think that I want to give the letter writer kudos for being sensitive, first of all, of understanding that just like maybe commenting on how hot the new lover is, is maybe not the way to go. So I want to say you're sensitive, you're wonderful, and kudos for giving thoughts to this. To me, maybe this is a situation where words don't even have to be spoken, but this other person can just be made like you can just make this person feel good um, by showing it to them through your actions. And you can also check in with this person, um, separately speaking, on how they're feeling. And um, I feel very much under pressure by this having to be a minute. So I'm like, am I? I know I'm almost at time, but um, I think you're on the right track with being sensitive and observant and continue to be observant and actions sometimes speak louder than words. Beautiful. All right. I'm going to put the time around for myself. Here I go. Yes, letter writer, this can be a little bit of a tricky road to walk because on the one hand, you don't want to apologize for finding your partner attractive. And on the other hand, it can also feel... Uh, fraught or uh, uh, unnecessarily pressurized uh, to hear a partner say loving things about uh, an aspect of your own appearance that you have a difficult time with. But uh, I think you are slightly overthinking this. I would say all you have to do is say something to your partner like, hey, you've mentioned a couple times that you seem to not like the way that your hair looks. I love that look for you. Um, Does it bother you if I compliment you on it? Because if it does, I won't. Uh, But if it doesn't, I'd like to keep doing it. I think that's pretty much it. You don't have to tiptoe around it any more than that. Um, you can, I think, otherwise generally assume that if you want to say something to your partner like, I think you're hot, that that is a good thing mm. and not a bad thing. And uh, that's it. That's all the time. I'm done. Wow. Wow. What a day. Danny, what a day. All in a day's work. So many letters, so little time. But yet again, it's been done. How do you do it? How do you do it, Danny? I mean, I do it with the help of people like you. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. 
Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up, to subscribe, or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get a minute. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations and interview questions with our guests. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you need some little advice or big advice and you'd like me to read your letter on the show, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood listener question form or find a link in the description of the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>